Welcome in. This is the week six recap for the 2022 season in the ACT or Dynasty League. Let's get it rolling. Let's start with the game of the week. Lowy, the immigrants, 98.56. Edge out. Camby Soup on Monday night. Camby Soup puts up 92.92 points. Brian Lowy holds on to stay undefeated at 6-0. Came down to a Monday night that perfectly encapsulates what the hell is wrong with this NFL season. Just an absolute dud of a game. No points. Terrible. Uh, the overtime was some of the most anticlimactic stuff I've ever seen. Alex only needed 8 points from Cortland Sutton, the number one wide receiver in Denver, to hand Lowy, the league villain, his first loss of the year. But Russ and the Broncos, and quite frankly the Chargers too, put up an absolute stinker of a game on Monday Night Football in cost... Alex, a W. Sutton ended the night with just two catches for 14 yards, and Alex comes up short on the upset bid. But it's not all on the terrible Broncos. Uh, Camby Soup left Joseph Burrow off the starting roster. That cost him 21 points by the way of Aaron Rodgers sucking against the Jets. Although we're going to give him some shit for that decision, we shouldn't give him too much because Burrow hasn't been great this year, and Rodgers was playing the Jets after all. So you'd expect a little bit more to bounce back after the Packers sucked against the Giants, but Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, woof, not looking good. He also left stud running back Brian Robinson on the bench, which is cause for concern, as we all know Brian Robinson is the absolute GOAT. Uh, it's tough because this was the week to beat Lowey. He had Devontae Adams on a bye. Rashad Bateman still hurt, so he's forced to play uh, Marta, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who put up a big old goose egg. Um, the aforementioned Packers, led by Aaron Rodgers, sucked, leading to just 5.9 points for Aaron Jones, who's in Lowey's starting roster, 3 points for Mason Crosby, and 0.5 from the Packers' defense, all in the immigrants' starting lineup. This was the week to knock off Lowey, and Alex, quite frankly, you blew it. Not only for yourself, but for the whole damn league. Shame upon you. Alex is now 1-5 and in last place in the league. That sound you hear is the alarms from the fire sale that's about to happen on Alex squad. Maybe Brian Robinson Jr. will be one of the players moved by Alex. And for more on him, we have a future suitor for the venerable Alabama running back who has some thoughts on clearly what is a running back one in Brian Robinson. Hey, everybody. This is Aaron. Um, per Lindsay's request, uh, she said you know she wanted me to kind of come on and talk about my guy, Antonio Gibson. Um, you know, I've been thinking about it. And I feel like I've just been so focused on the negative with players, right? It's kind of like the way I think about it, right? So, like, the more negatives, you know, moving players down, the less negatives I can find moving players up. So, instead, I kind of want to go a different route. And I want to talk about my new favorite player in the NFL, one Brian Robinson Jr., who is absolutely lighting the league on fire. If you haven't been paying attention, maybe you've missed it. He's got 26 carries for an astounding 82 yards, which is good for 3.2 yards per carry, which ranks him 86th in the league in yards per carry among rushers. So top 100, pretty, pretty good. And despite his him being the fourth most efficient runner on his team behind Antonio Gibson, Antonio Williams, and J.D. McKissick. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that one-yard fall-down touchdown yesterday, but he looks pretty, pretty good. <laughs> and if you haven't been following the news, you might not know that he was shot four times roughly six weeks ago, which honestly, like, this, this young man is an absolute warrior for being able to come back from it that fast. Um, but as a fan's perspective, once I saw him come out to many men by 50 cent, I knew that this guy was just a straight dog and I had to put him number one on the ranks and in the top 12 of running backs for the league and dynasty for sure. The last time I have been this excited about a player is when I found out that James Cook from University of Georgia was actually related to Dalvin Cook, which obviously means that he's going to have the same level of success uh, in the NFL. Now, look, a lot of people, you know, probably thinking I might just be into B-Rob because of how insanely hot he has been in the league. But that's not it, man. I've been on him since he's been at Alabama, and I've known his name 
since 2017. And now the haters are going to say things like, well, look, okay, well, look, look, Aaron, you know, you got to contextualize these Alabama running backs. You know, they're playing behind an NFL caliber line. Every one of their offensive linemen and starters is better than the guy across from them. And so their rushing environment and the running lanes and the reads are going to be more simplistic and easier than they're going to be in the NFL. And it might be difficult for them to make the adjustment. And to that, I say, fuck you, nerds, and your numbers. They're all trash. Do you even watch football? Have you ever even played football? A good player is a good player. And all I do is watch Alabama football all the time. So all I do is watch good players. So 2017, I started watching this guy, Brian Robinson. And he, you know, kind of stood out. He had 24 whole carries for 165 yards, you know, freshman year. Then 19-year-old sophomore year, 63 carries, 272 yards. And if that doesn't blow your socks off, as a 20-year-old, he rocked 96 carries for 441 and then followed that up with a true senior season at age 21 with 91 carries and 483 yards. And now look, I know you might be saying, Aaron, man, these numbers, was this a joke? Is this a bit? Like these numbers are trash. What I have to say to that is you got to understand the context of what was happening around him. This man is playing with Hall of Famers at every level in the running back room. He's playing behind Damian Harris, Hall of Famer. He's playing behind Bo Scarborough, future Hall of Famer. He's playing behind Najee Harris, Hall of Famer in the making. He's playing behind Josh Jacobs, another stud and Hall of Famer. Was he out-carried by Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungavilloa some years? Yeah, of course, but that's because they're also going to be Hall of Famers. We got to stop calling it Canton, or we got to stop calling it Alabama. We might as well start calling it Canton down there. So then, 2022, every years of college football. My guy B-Rob comes in, Nick's, look, man, you're going to be our number three running back. You got this. You've had five years in the Alabama weight room. We think that this is the right fit for you. And he's sitting behind two holes, Chase McClellan and Trey Sanders. Now, they both get hurt. My guy, B. boom, 271 carries, 1,300 yards. Finally get to see what I was waiting for. My guy is a stud. And, you know, all these, these math nerd analytics people that want you to knock field goals and go for it on fourth down, a bunch of garbage – they come to me to say, look, man, in almost every year that Brian Robinson played, he was the third or the fourth most efficient runner on his team. He's just not special, my guy. And to that, I have two things to say to you. No, Yeah, it's hard to be number one when you're playing with only future Hall of Famers, my guy. And number two, that's just not his style, baby. He's a fucking grinder. 100 care or, you know, give this man 50 carries for two yards a game, punch in two one-yard scores. That's 100 yards and two tutties, baby. I don't know what your league scores it, but that's 22 points in my world. So, like, I need that guy. Just like, you know, Marshawn Lynch said, I'm just going to run through a motherfucker face until he doesn't want to tackle me anymore. That's Brian. Not quite as good. Now, my other retort to some of these, you know, anti-B-Rob lunatics is if he wasn't a superstar in the making, why would Sleeper send me an update every time he gets a high five or a fist bump from one of his coaches? Why would Sleeper send me a notification every week to remind me that he's the starting running back this week? I, I'll tell you what, I don't get those notes for CMC. I don't get those notifications for Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, JT. The only way to walk away from that is that B-Rob is on a pathway to being the best running back in the game. And I don't want to hear about Antonio Gibson. I'm tired about hearing about Antonio Gibson, right? 
he's not going to establish the run. He's not going to run through you. He's not going to run the ball 50 times for 100 yards and two touchdowns. That's just not his game. He's always out here ripping off big plays and long touchdowns, and he's a great receiver, and that's fine. And PFF and the numbers people are like, oh, he's the most efficient and effective passing game running back, blah, 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 blah. If he's so good, man, just go play receiver. That's not what I'm looking for, man. I hate these explosive NFL running back size, super skilled pass-catching RBs, man, like CMC and Barkley and Swift, Kamara, Eckler, Aaron Jones, man. They are trash. They are ruining the game that we love, man. Give me the plotters. Give me Jamal Williams. Give me Mark Ingram. Give me Carlos Hyde. Man, I've been hanging on to Gus Edwards for two years because he is the grinder's grinder, baby. Just pounding it. So I hope you learned something today. I hope you go buy Brian Robinson in every league at whatever cost. And now, you know, this piece may not apply to you. I know we got a lot of sharp people in this league. Probably nobody owns Antonio Gibson. I get it. That's good. You know, you're really smart about it. But if you got him, sell him for whatever you can get. And if you get an offer for him, just send back laughing emojis. Well, we know Alex Campbell's going to love that little hype up that uh, Aaron definitely just gave out of the warmest parts of his heart to Brian Robinson Jr. about RB1. And we know that, you know, if you want Antonio Gibson cheap, he's just sitting right there on Aaron's taxi squad, you know? The proof is in the pudding, folks. Just check the rosters. All right, let's get back to some scores. Let's get to Jay Schwinn. We have the meets are on a little bit of a roll right now. 120-02. Beat the bus boys, Bodzi and Jim, 110-82. 10-point win for Jay Schwinn, led by a huge waiver wire pickup in Deion Jackson, running running back in Indianapolis, who is now injured. So that won't do him any good. But Jay Schwinn takes a step away from the ACT by beating Bodzi and Jim. Back-to-back wins for the farmer, hoping to take the ACT as a solid performance from all of his wide receivers. Take Jacob to two and four. Chase Claypool had his first double-digit performance of the year. So look for him to be traded ASAP, not only in our Dynasty League, but also in the NFL. There have been some trade rumors circling around Chase Claypool. Travis Etienne put up his second double-digit performance of the season as well, and is showing that he's far more explosive in the backfield than James Robinson. Looks like he should be... Uh, commanding some more of the carries down there in Jacksonville. The Bus Boys, tough. Fall to 3-3 three and three despite a 24-point game from Tyreek Hill and Austin Eckler continuing to do his thing. The point of concern on this roster is definitely the quarterback position where Russell Wilson is not the answer, yet they continue to start him. Um, it's tough for the Bus Boys, though, because it takes a lot of balls to start Justin Fields or Daniel Jones, who are absolute roller coaster of players. Um, I guess George Kittle's doing a little something now. It's worthy of discussion. Looks like he's stepping up. Um, we know that down in San Francisco now with no Trey Lance that they are going to throw the ball a little bit more with Jimmy Garoppolo and he's not the worst quarterback and it looks like that's become a pretty defined route tree um, with Kittle, uh, Ayuk who showed out again and you know Debo's going to get his so maybe George Kittle does a little bit something. I don't know man. The bus boys are floundering. I'm trying to reach for something. They're in the middle. I don't know what they do from here. They have Aaron next week and Lowey after that. Um, with a slight reprieve with Tim in week nine. Um, so they're probably going to lose the next two, and then they get Tim in week nine. But in week nine, they've got Russ, Zeke, George Kittle, and Daniel Jones on a bye that week. Um, so we could be looking at a three and six team with a loss to Tim over the next couple weeks. So tough spot for the bus boys. Um, really hoping to have them on the podcast here soon to get kind of a flavor and a feel of what they're going to be doing. Uh, as they get to the meat of their schedule with not a lot of meat on that roster. Uh, Lee, the Maniacs, 110.18, beat Christian, the Seaman, today's guest, 91.44. Christian makes a huge move in trading for Josh Jacobs, David Carr, and Zamir White, also two first, uh, for Justin Herbert. But those aforementioned Raiders were all in a bye week. Um, Lee takes advantage of the down Seaman squad, but the win comes at a cost. Kenny Pickett left the game with a pretty serious concussion. 
and Lee is now back to a very tough spot at the quarterback position. Nick Chubb had his worst performance of the year so far with only 7.5 points, but rookie Brees Hall in New York continues his uh, fantastic campaign as he looks to take the title of top rookie running back from Damian Pierce. Uh, he had a 20-carry performance, 116 yards, and a touchdown, two receptions to boot. Um, a win is a win. Lee moves to 4-2. and two. Not the prettiest, but he moves to 4-2. and two. Um, And he's got TDs in Canby Soup over the next two weeks. So Lee looking like he might be at 6-2 and two here pretty soon with a nice run to the playoffs coming. We'll talk more with Christian about his squad later in the episode as he is today's guest. All right, let's get to Tim, baby. It's Tim time. He's back. Tim, the Crab Boilers, 98.28 points, beat the Bortz Bros, 96.72 points, and a tight one. The sad Crab Boilers are smiling today as they get their second win of the year and join a crowded bunch of losers at 2-4. and four. Matt Ryan remembered that Michael Pittman is really good at football, so he targeted him 16 times in the Indianapolis Colts win. Uh, Pittman, out of those 16 targets, caught 13 Balls for 134 yards in a big bounce back. Um, there was injuries that hampered Pittman for the last few games, so he came back and looked fantastic. Tim made it interesting, uh, made an interesting call to bench Najee Harris, which turned out to be a solid call as it didn't cost him another W, though. Um, another bench player that uh, is starting is becoming a concern is Elijah Moore, who had a goose egg on Sunday. Um, after a promising rookie campaign that was cut short due to an injury, Elijah Moore has been a non-factor. Only 16 catches, 203 yards across six games. Just miserable. Looks like uh, Zach Wilson just does not want to throw the ball to him whatsoever. That's got to hurt. Um, going over to the Bortz Bros. Speaking of miserable, the Bortz Bros have to be feeling pretty bad after losing to a 1-4 Tim squad after coming on this podcast and seeing their title def- uh, contenders. Doesn't really look like it. Jeff Wilson had a tough fumble that turned into a scoop and score, and he never recovered, finishing the game with just 0.5 fantasy points. The Bortz Bros have also quickly moved off of Jeff Wilson, trading him for Calvin Ridley to Cyrus. Tom Brady looks like he should have retired and just let Adam Schefter have the damn scoop. Um, instead, uh, Tom Brady went and had a miserable performance, not doing a lot of good. The IR is absolutely loaded for the Bortz Bros. Um, and their IR doesn't even include Chris Olave, who may miss next week with a concussion. He missed this week with a concussion. And James Conner is still hurt. Next week, the Bortz Bros are without their Rams and Eagles players who do a lot of carrying of the weight for them. And they face Lowey. So tough spot to be in. And it appears as though the Bortz Bros will have, sh- have to shift focus to next year. Looks like they've already done that, like I said, by trading Jeff Wilson for Calvin Ridley. Aaron. Title Chase squad, 158.8, beat the crispy Kareem Donuts. That's Cyrus's squad, who had 90.4 points. A dominant performance in a huge Week 6 matchup. That reminds us that they're still a top tier in this league, and it only includes two teams. Sorry, Cyrus, you're not there yet. Cyrus has been on a roll and entered 4-1 and with the third most points for in the league, but was silenced by Aaron's loaded squad. Let's start off with Jamar Chase back in the state of Louisiana. Jamar Chase, where he feels best at, had 28 points. Stephon Diggs, 25 points. Christian McCaffrey, 19 points. Saquon, 17 points. Dalvin Cook, 14 points. Studs doing stud things. The one thing that Aaron has to worry about is tight end though. An injured Waller meant he had to choose between Zach Ertz, Hunter Henry, and Cole Komet. Of course, being the wise man Dr. Aaron is, he chose the Bears tight end because of Chicago's elite offensive scheme. Uh, no way that anybody could have seen Cole Komet only get two points coming um, with Hertz and Henry both having double-digit double days. So excellent call there, Aaron, on your tight end spot. I'm sure that won't come back to haunt you if you do it against a squad like Lowey's. Cyrus's namesake donuts were not Kareemy at all. Uh, he only had four carries for 12 yards. Tough day for Kareem Hunt. Rough day for the Browns, really. And actually rough day for anybody not named Waddle or Justin Jefferson. which is one of those long Sundays for Cyrus who is outscored at every position, sounds defense and kicker. Um, Cyrus gets the red hot. Jay Schwinn, we have the meats um, as he looks to bounce back. Cyrus will probably make three trades this week and get a brand new squad for week seven. Um, He's already made one. I bet you there's a couple more coming uh, as he looks to bounce back. And finally, we have TDs putting up their first 100-point performance of the year, 122 points. Beat me, the Spaceman, Spichem, in 91.42. And what was looking like the worst matchup of the year ended up being a pretty decent game. 
Lindsay rode Brandon Ayuk's two touchdown performance to her second win of the year and to hand me my second straight loss to a team that is supposedly tanking after I lost to Jay Schwinn and TDs now. Uh, Kenneth Walker had a running back one day finally with 21 carries and 97 yards and a touchdown with the running back injury to Rashad Penny. Looks like he's taking over there. Um, Trevor Lawrence added 25 points for the TDs as well. And that's all with Dak coming back. So the TDs may not be a last place team. But speaking of last place teams, uh, my team is trending in the wrong direction after moving off my best running back with a trade to Christian Losing Cam Akers to whatever the hell is going on in L.A. J.K. Dobbins is back in the injury room. Again, not looking good for Dobbins. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire came back down to earth with a three-point performance. The ACT is squarely in my path. All right, let's get to starting duds and bench studs. We got a couple really important ones that happened this week. Uh, MVS had a zero-point performance for Lowey, who was looking a little thin at the wide receiver position. But it didn't cost him, but damn it should have. We're still talking about you, Alex, blowing that game. Lowey stays undefeated despite MVS going for zero points. Cyrus, his namesake, 1.2 points for Crispy Kareem Hunt. Terrible day for the Browns and all their players. Also, the bus boys, Tyler Lockett, 2.7 points. Woof, that's tough. Uh, bench studs, which is far more interesting than starting Dudge. Bench studs, we had Christian, who left Mike Gesicki on the bench. 21.9 points in exchange for Dalton, Dalton Schultz who didn't even play this week. Christian, ooh, that's a tough one. That could have cost you. Christian lost by 18.74 points. That is the difference in the game. Christian leaving Mike Gesicki on the bench. Also, we already brought it up, but it's worth bringing up again. Joe Burrow on Alex's bench killed us all. This was a team effort. We were all rooting against Lowey. We were all rooting for Alex, and he let us down by leaving sweet Joseph Burrow on the bench. Tough one. There's a bench stud in Joe Burrow. All right, now we're going to get on to our interview with Christian. Here we go. Interview with the Seaman manager, Christian. Hope you enjoy it. All right, guys, welcome to this week's interview. This week, we've got Christian joining us, the manager of the Seaman squad, coming off a tough loss this week. Christian, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Lucas. Absolutely. It's great to have you here, man. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, what you like to do, your hobbies, where you're from, what you do, your shit like that. And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Sounds good. So my name is Christian Weitkus. I'm 32 years old, born and raised in good old Cleveland, Ohio. Still live here. I went to Ohio State for undergrad, got a bachelor's in pharmaceutical sciences. Uh, and then I started doing a degree in farm, farm D, uh, pharmacy, get my doctorate and, uh, Eventually, probably a few years in, I finally admitted myself that I absolutely hated it and I didn't want anything to do with pharmacy or the medical field. So uh, I'm kind of in a transition phase in my life right now. So I'm back in school. Uh, I just started up a master's program in accounting. Uh, should be done by the end of next fall semester. So I've got another year to go. And then uh, I'll be working towards uh, getting my CPA license. Um, and in the meantime, I'm working in an Amazon warehouse that's keeping me hopefully a little fit, but I've definitely been putting on some weight, watching some <laughs> football and enjoying some beers and good food on the weekends. But uh, as far as that job and, you know, background, that's kind of it. I'm youngest of uh, two brothers, but, uh, and, and yeah. Nice, man. Nice. So I, yes, you're up there in the Cleveland area. I assume you're a big Browns guy. You got to have a lot of beers if you're a Browns guy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So uh, Browns are definitely my go-to NFL team. Uh, and it's, it, it can be tough and depressing. I kind of have a side, I guess not so much anymore, but one of the Browns, they had that two year streak of where they won one game in 32. I was like kind of done with them or at least I thought it was and I wanted to swear off of them for good so I kind of looked towards the Raiders just because they had Marshawn Lynch he's one of my favorite players he's such a character and uh I kind of started rooting for the Raiders so that's kind of my secondary team I like to see do well um and then as far as college goes I'm Buckeyes all the way no no other team really matters to me and it's going to be uh hopefully a fun season a fun uh end of the regular season look like they're gonna have a good crash course of a top five matchup with that team up north at the end of the year so that'll be nice to see it's gonna be awesome yeah go bucks um obviously went to ohio state for undergrad let's uh uh in the raiders thing is a little interesting maybe we'll hit on that a little later there might be a, a raiders <laughs> discussion with a couple players moving um christian one of the first things i was 
very much me i just like get right to the point you have a lithuanian as fuck name it was obvious as soon as i saw it like right. you have a lithuanian as hell name why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and uh yeah your family and your lithuanian descent okay so my uh english like legal name is christian with a k but my lithuanian name is christianas it's like christy spelled christy jonas but pronounced christianas uh, three of my four grandparents were born in Lithuania and they came over uh, during World War II. And uh, both of my parents are uh, Lithuanian as well. They met at summer camp, uh, same one I went to growing up as a child as well. And uh, grew up, me and my two older brothers, we all learned uh, Lithuanian English at the same time we were growing up. My oldest brother, actually, funny story about him is that he, my mom and dad, uh, my mom, she quit her job to take care of us when she started having us boys. And my oldest brother, he only spoke Lithuanian when he started kindergarten. Really? So it was a rough transition for him to go to kindergarten. My teacher thought, uh, since he couldn't speak English, that I don't know if it was, uh, very like explicitly clear that he only spoke Lithuanian. I don't know if my mom mentioned that to the kindergarten teacher, but uh, the teacher was like ready to get rid of him and be like, "This is I can't, how can I teach someone that can't speak English or like even interact with them?" So yeah. it was a uh, definitely a tough transition from home to school for him. But uh, she learned, and my dad learned as me and my middle brother were growing up that probably good to give us a little English as well as Lithuanian when we we're learning both. So uh, we're we're all fluent in that language and it's uh i got a lot of family and friends i like i said my parents met at a summer camp i went probably spent like three three weeks every summer at this camp uh up in michigan lithuanian camp and it was a great experience i met a lot of lifelong friends from chicago detroit a bunch of other you know bigger metropolitan areas in america so it's a big part of my life and uh my brother actually had a nephew about a year and a half ago and at the moment it seems like he understands a lot more lithuanian than english uh, my brother's not married to a Lithuanian woman, but uh, when he's around, it, hanging out with the grandparents and me and my brothers, we definitely feed him in Lithuanian. We're trying to keep the culture going. That's awesome, man. That's really, really cool. Um, I have you have you been to Lithuania? Have you visited? Yeah, so I went uh, when I was a sophomore in high school. So I don't know. That's like feels like probably like close to 20 years ago now but we uh we all went as a family we spent two weeks there we mainly stayed in the capital of Vilnius but we also like uh geographically it's not a big uh yeah, country at all point, yeah. so you can like you can uh drive pretty much to any any city any location you want like in a good easy day trip so we spent two weeks there we got to see all the major uh, sites that we wanted to see there. Um, the Hill of Cross is probably like the main draw. It's like this, it's basically just like a hill that just has what seems like a million crosses and crucifixes up there. So religion's kind of a big thing for them. But uh, the fun thing for me was my mom, she planned for a, a long time. Uh, she got a hold of like every single close relative, distant relative, anyone who had any relation to our family. And we had like a massive kind of family reunion of sorts. Um, and I got to meet a bunch of like distant cousins, aunts, uncles, relatives. And it was uh, just cool to see that part of my family that lives over there. That's really cool, man. That's awesome. That's I, I'm fascinated by like the Baltic States. And I just think it's so cool. Did Is your family from the capital or the only other city I know is the port city? It's like Klaipeda, Klaip, something uh, Kla like that, right? Klaipeda, yeah. yeah. So uh, my grandparents, they all grew up in like little uh, – sort of farm villages they kind of came from nothing for the most part uh so i'm not i guess i'm kind of bad in that i don't know exactly where they came from but they uh especially when they were living there in like the early 1900s uh there wasn't like a whole lot of industrial cities there like kind of cities as we know and like expect them to be now so they basically kind of grew up on like off off of the land more or less and uh eventually they came over when shit was hitting the fan during world war ii and they started a whole new life over here that's wild man that's really cool i and that's part of the reason why i love cleveland it's like such an ethnic city there's like a lot of eastern europeans over there yeah. and like you can definitely feel it when you're over there there's like very distinct polish neighborhoods and very you know it's really cool so um all right enough about that let's get it back let's get back to dynasty let's get back to fantasy how did you get into this league um who brought you in and uh yeah let's talk about that it was i assume it's aaron at ohio state seems like what everybody right uh my connection was actually through lee i didn't know okay. um 
anyone in this league prior to joining aside from Lee. So he, I've been, I've been here since the start. Uh, Lee kind of just, because we started like in halfway through the one season, whenever that was a few years ago. So Lee kind of just randomly texted one day. He's like, hey, we probably need, or it's like we, we're looking for more people to fill out this Dynasty League. Would you be interested? And I said, yes. And the rest is kind of history. And uh, Lee, I, he will appreciate this story. So my uh, team name, the C-Men, uh, he'll, he knows all about the background of this story, but me and him, we played uh, club volleyball together at Ohio State. That's how we know each other. That's how we met. And each, like the men's team and the women's team, they have three teams, A, B, and C. So me and Lee, we're, we're decent at volleyball, but not decent enough to promote ourselves or make it up the ranks past the C team. So one day, I think it was, we went to the national tournament, collegiate tournament in Dallas, and uh we were just sitting around kind of hung over the like last night ends up being a huge party. And I was like, man, I was like, I was like, we're on the C team. I was like, we're kind of like the C men. I was like, I was like, if we ever like win a huge tournament, like what if we just all got a sperm tattooed on our butt cheeks or something for the C men. <laughs> so that's kind of, kind of the, why I picked that. Not just, it's, it is pretty juvenile and a stupid name, but that's kind of the background history with that. But aside from this dynasty league, I'm in like a couple just redraft leagues with some other, random friends that we don't take those too seriously. But as far as Dynasty goes, this is my uh, only one. Gotcha, gotcha. Very interesting. All right. Well, uh, you know, I was expecting you to say basketball because I know Lithuania, like they pump out some big time men's basketball teams. Are, oh, is yeah. It a big, is, it a big, uh, is it a big volleyball country too? Or? Uh, not as much. I think our okay. neighbor, the North Latvia, is more of the volleyball team, but basketball is pretty much our, our pride and joy in Lithuania. Damn good at it too. I think like a couple Olympic medals, right? Like – yeah, the the big one was in 1992 when they were kind of breaking away from the Soviet Union. They still ended up winning the bronze medal, and they had the like these tie dye shirts. They were kind of sponsored by the Grateful Dead since they didn't really have any money to travel and other stuff. But wait, what really? Yeah, so they like in 1992 the Olympics in Barcelona, uh, like uh, since the Soviet Union was just like breaking up in 1990, like and it was obviously it's not going to be a clean break with them uh lithuania had they qualified for the olympics but they didn't really have enough money to like make uniforms and to travel to barcelona so the grateful dead they heard about the story and they essentially made these like tie-dye shirts that had like these skeletons on them and like hey like if you wear our stuff he's like we'll, we'll pay for your trip we'll pay for uniforms and stuff so you can look it up it's like uh i'm looking at it right now this is the coolest thing i'm a huge grateful dead fan i've never heard of in like love sports i've never heard of this before yes yeah, so it's just, amazing it's random trivia but they uh they basically wore these tie-dye shirts everywhere they went in the olympics and uh they ended up squeaking out a bronze medal in 92 yeah, I'm looking at one. This is a T-shirt from '92 is going for $75 on eBay right now. Like these things are awesome and probably pretty hard to find. So, do you have one? Uh, my dad has a couple. Uh, he's <laughs> oh got like God. one that he kind of wears, and then ones that he's he's left in mint condition. That's amazing. I'm gonna buy one. I can't wait. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So you're in one dynasty league, a uh, couple redrafts, and you you get this through Lee and the Seaman story. All right. Let's talk about our league. Let's um. Other than Lee, who like did you you know have you gotten close to anybody in this league or is it just Lee or you know just me being an asshole asking about your Lithuanian <laughs> heritage pretty much? Uh, I've probably talked the most with Aaron because yeah. he's always trying to get a hold of me. Shuts to or- the fuck up. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, he's always like trying to organize stuff and make sure I'm in the loop because like during the off season I kind of just shut off. Like yeah. once once the Super Bowl's over, I'm just like kind of like not that I hate football. I'm just like, it's, it's nice to get a break from it for a little bit and not have to worry about it. And especially since like, there's nothing really going on, like no free agency for a few months and the draft is off. It's kind of just that. So, but uh, I talk with him just like kind of football stuff and organization for events and whatnot. Um, And then Uh, on that front, let real quick, are you more of a college guy or an NFL guy? uh, I probably follow NFL more. Um, okay. like I'll, I'll watch the Buckeye game, but then usually unless there's like a, a, a big interesting matchup on Saturdays, I'll usually go do something else, but Sundays are usually just dedicated to sitting on the couch and watching NFL. Gotcha. All right, let's get into our league a little bit. Let's, some people were asking, they really wanted your opinion on other teams and other divisions. So let's, I want one of the questions and we'll get into like team rankings between this. What, what division do you think is the absolute behemoth division? There's three of them. You are in the tropical treasures with Cyrus Bodzi and uh td so i hope to god you don't say that one but <laughs> what do you think you know what what division i mean would you least like to be in 
Uh, for me, I think it's kind of an even spread. It's not like I wouldn't say any division is like disproportionately overpowered. Uh, but for me, I think the Kentucky keepsakes with Lowey and Lee are uh, probably and Lucas. Yeah, they're probably <laughs> of course and Lucas, of course. Uh, they're they probably tip the scales a little more than the other two. Um, I think Lee Lowey's probably he's for sure going to win the division. Lee, I think he'll have an easy time taking the first wild card spot. But uh, yeah, I think the other two, the convenience store classics and tropical treasures, it's kind of even. I wouldn't say like either division is incredibly better or worse than them. So I would definitely rank Kentucky keepsakes one and then the other two for me, they're kind of close. I wouldn't say there's like a huge difference between the two in terms of quality of teams. Yeah. Both a couple bottom feeders with Alex Campbell. Jeez, that team's <laughs> the TDs. Yeah. yeah. And then like, I mean, I don't know what to make of your team. We'll get into it a little later. Yeah. You can still come back. You, you had the, you have the fifth most points for, but two and four we'll talk right. about it a little later. All right, let's get to now let's get bound, down to the brass tacks with teams. I think it's pretty obvious who the number one and number two is. If you want to scratch somebody's ass and say they're the best over the other ones, I'll give you the time to do it. But I mean, I think it's Aaron and Lowey, right? You know, Absolutely. Those are definitely one and two. I, I mean, I I'm think they're going to be on a crash course in the playoffs. Um, and it's kind of going to be – the championship's going to be up for grabs between those two. Um, but I definitely won't compliment either team or person <laughs> more than they have to. Good. Good. Love it. And then right now we've got projected Cyrus as the three seed coming out of your division. And then Lee and Bodzi, the four and five seeds. Do you think right now those – are the five teams that are going to make the playoffs. I want to, I want you to give me who you think is going to win your division to be the third seed and then get those two wild card spots. Who you got right now, if you're looking at it six weeks in. Yeah, I definitely think Cyrus has a very good case for winning our division, get the number three. Uh, and then when I look at just at least one statistic for points for Lee's the only non division leader that has over 700 points. Yep. I think, I think he'll, he's on track to get that first wild card spot that number four and then the fifth one i was like i was scrolling up and down the rankings and standings this past couple days and trying to figure out who's going to be fifth i think that one's going to be the one that's up for grabs i mean obviously it's like the second wild card and i would you would expect that to be the closest race for the playoffs um i think bodsy's got a decent shot i don't want to say i have a good shot like obviously i've put up a decent amount of points for but it's just like I don't know. It's like I'm I'm going to give it a couple more weeks to decide what I'm going to do with my team. But I think Bodzi has a decent shot, and the boards bros aren't looking too shabby either for that second wild card. But I think that's going to be the one that's going to be the most difficult to predict. Well, you said, you know, you want to give it a couple more weeks. Let's look at your team here for a second. So the next two weeks, you've got myself, and then we have the meets. So those seem like, you know, not really layups, but about as easy as you can expect. Yeah. Then you've got Aaron in week nine, which is always tough. But then you come back and you get uh, Alex Campbell in week ten. So you could go, th- you could go three and one in the next uh, in the next couple weeks here and get your record up to five and five, five hundred, and see what happens. So is that really what you're looking to do? What are you looking to do for your team, and what do you want to see over the next couple weeks before you make this decision? Right. That's like you bring up the schedule. I I got a good chance to try to bring it back to five hundred. I don't think there's going to be a chance in hell I beat Aaron, but who knows? You never know what'll happen with football. So, yeah. I mean, in the case I do bring Shit, it back, I beat him, man. Who knows? You know, I beat him. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you, you just you never know what's gonna happen. But uh, yeah, so if I can if I can string together a couple couple good wins in the next three four weeks, um, I might be more inclined to try to make a push for it. I mean, it still might be foolish in the end if I can like snag a wild card spot. It'll be, it might be like to what end like if i limp in through that wild card game win i'm, I'm gonna still run smack into one of the titans of the league and it might be all for naught so it's like it's kind of a tough decision um i think ultimately my number one goal is just not to take the act so if i yeah. can if i can secure a spot and like get that fifth wild card and just breathe a sigh of relief like i don't have to sit in high school with a bunch of kids on a saturday morning that's always a big w um but i don't know with the with snagging the two picks from you in the trade like it definitely gives me some wiggle room to either trade one way or the other if i'm interested to try to convert into a win now situation which again i still think is kind of foolish because 
I don't know, let's like Aaron and Lowry are just so consistently putting up such incredible like high points for that they're going to be tough to beat regardless. Um, so I'm not really sure. It's kind of like up in the air, but if I can get a snag a spot in the wild card, that'd be nice. But uh, aside from that, I don't think I have like incredible aspirations for this year. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully I can, if I can convert those draft picks into some stud rookies next year, that's probably the more reasonable and prudent kind of goal in mind to have. Uh, I hear you, man, but I, I'm seeing your squad and like, I, I think you with the schedule still lining up for you, I think you got a really like solid chance to do it. And I, I don't know. I go back and I mean, you got Jacobs and Fournette. Those are two running back ones, right? Boom. Stud there. Amari Cooper. When we get uh, Deshaun Watson to come back, that's going to be lining up right towards the end of the season run in the playoffs. Like Amari Cooper can go off. He's been looking great. And then you just kind of, kind of figure out who you piece together. Just to come back and be solid. Like, yeah, I don't know. Dalton Schultz yeah, could come say, back, and with with Dak, Dalton Schultz could be a top five tight end. You never know. Like, right. I, I see, I see the path a lot clearer for you than I do a lot of other teams that are kind of trying to convince themselves that they're in the race. And I, I think a lot of it has just come down to bad luck so far. For yeah, me. I think it's just like I'm kind of just thinking more negatively with the inconsistency. I kind of do. I can't. I was pissed that Dalton Schultz they announced he wasn't playing like an hour before last week. Yeah. Like it would have been a coin. A huge. It would have been a coin flip if I played Irv Smith or Gasicki. If I played Gasicki, I would have won the game but it was kind of annoying that they didn't say that like an hour before game but then i also wasn't thinking about uh amari cooper getting deshaun watson back later in the season i've kind of just been being depressed about uh, <laughs> the browns in general and right, and, and, and deshaun and jenny yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah i mean when you do i do like the positive spin you put on it and uh i don't know i'm kind of just when i think pro sports and fantasy and browns it's like it's usually there's more of a gray cloud over my head than anything else <laughs> great cloud with some snow on the way with the yeah, weather that we've got so that's true yeah i i think it's gonna be really interesting because i think you're gonna win the next two weeks man i think then then that puts you even tougher right you're four and four right you know so it's gonna be fun all right let's let's talk about our trade that we did and how it gives you that flexibility to go one way or the other the trade was josh jacobs david carr zamir white rookie running back and two first round draft picks for justin herbert um, it, I was going back through and somebody else in the league brought this up. You don't trade that often, but you've made two trades with me so far. So it sounds like a personal issue on their part. They're not offering <laughs> you the right deals. So talk about, let's talk about first, before we get into the exact trade, your trade philosophy, you, it, you don't trade as much as a lot of people in the league. What, what, you know, what's your reasoning behind that? And uh, talk about your trade philosophy. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't really like look at other people's teams a whole lot to try to pick their brains and see where they want to trade. I definitely made a few trades on draft day. Yep. I think it's definitely easier in person instead of trying to, you know, text back and forth. It's, or like I had never, aside from the draft, I haven't like talked even over the phone with anyone over a trade. It's always been via text and half the time I, I'll be real. I just like, if I don't respond to text in the first five minutes, I mean, I just forget about it. It goes in the back of my brain, and then it's like uh, until I text somebody else, I'm, I'm like, "crap!" I I totally let that one go by. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just a, kind of more of a conservative kind of person. Like sometimes I just like hanging on to people, and I'm too scared to uh, to trade and see what will happen. But I think in some instances, like you have to do it. Like it's better to take a chance, see what happens, rather than just let some you know, perpetually average or inconsistent guy sit on your team and, you know, eventually end up screwing you over. Um, but I don't know, with th with this trade, I liked it. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think Justin Herbert is probably one of my favorite players to have on the team. I think he's got a bright future and he's been shown, putting up pretty good numbers his first few years. Um, but I think for me, this trade specifically, aside from Leonard Fournette, my running backs were kind of weak, so I'm, it's good to have that other running back spot with a solid guy because I had basically Khalil Herbert and Jamal Williams who, I mean, Khalil Herbert only is going to get good volume when Dave Montgomery's injured. And then Jamal Williams, he's kind of been weird. He's, he's had some, like, high-point games, but he's feast or famine on the touchdowns. It's like if he doesn't yep. score – if he doesn't score at the goal line, he's probably not going to get you a whole lot of points. So it was just good to shore up uh, the, my running back room and have two good guys there so I don't have to worry about 
specifically those two spots on the roster. And then obviously the two first round picks are huge. I mean, obviously it's the two Titans, Mernon and Lowey. So that's most likely if everything plays out as we expect, they'll be the last two picks of the first round. But uh, it's something to play with in terms of future potential trades in this season or even at the draft next year. Um, maybe I can use those pieces. And uh, as far as Herbert goes, I'm definitely sad to let him go. But I think, I think, like we were discussing earlier, if the trade wasn't going to benefit both of us, why were we going to do it? Um, so hopefully, Tua, I mean, he's scary. I mean, he, he's good. Like, he put up some decent, had like one or two good games before he started getting hurt. My biggest concern with him is just health-wise. Um, if he can stay healthy, if he can, the Dolphins have shown some good promise, especially with Tyree Kill around. That's always, that was a huge weapon for him to add uh, during the offseason. But uh, aside from that, I, I got David Carr and uh, and White as uh, the rookie running back. So White's definitely good to – I mean, even though he's not right behind Jacobs on the Jeff chart, if Jacobs does end up going down, he's like uh, the high-volume carrier for them. So uh, if, in the case Jacobs does get hurt or something happens with him, White might get to see some action uh, behind them. And David Carr was just kind of a swap for quarterbacks. Um, he's, he can have some decent games, but I think overall he's kind of, kind of average. Yeah, he's, he's definitely average, but you know, going to the super flex, it still gives you, he is a, a solid, you know, so that's Absolutely. what, you know, something there. Josh Jacobs is running back eight on the year. Leonard Fournette is running back seven on the year. They're almost virtually, you know, almost identical numbers this year. Uh, Leonard Fournette scored a couple more punts, but also he has an extra game. So you're really getting like a top five, I think. Per, average, per game, Josh Jacobs was a top five running back this year. So um, that's why I was, I was really interested to hear you say that you still don't know exactly what your team's going to do because it seems like he's kind of like with those stable of running backs you have and still being a one quarterback league this year that this could be like an all-in year for you. But, I mean, th- nothing's stopping you from trading, you know, Josh right. Jacobs again, you know. So yeah. um, I, I like the trade. I, I This was – I was working with like three or four other people on Josh Jacobs. Cause I mean, he's a good player. He's a good win now player. And I, I like to do this as my trade philosophy is like, I like to put like pretty much as close to like what I'm willing to do out at the beginning. Like that's my offer. It's a, it's, you know, it's a really damn good offer. I think it's fair. And if you like it, you like it. If not, like we have a little wiggle room, but like not really much wiggle room there. And you're just like, yeah, I liked it. So I'm glad it worked out. Um, We'll see how it turns out in a couple years. Those two first, like you said, I mean, we got some Debbie stuff, but they're still first. You can still move them. They're still yep. going to be pretty good. So um, so one of the questions I had lined up was what other trades you're trying to make, but it seems like you don't really know yet until uh, the next couple of weeks, right? So right. Let's go down two different paths. What ha- let's, say, um, let's say I beat you this week, um, and then, you know, you lose to who are you, uh, Jay Schwinn. Let's say <laughs> for some reason. Okay, let's just say over the next three weeks you lose two of them. You know, you get upset by Mir J. Schwinn, and then you lose to you lose to Aaron. Um, that's gonna bring you to three and five, or sorry, yeah, three and six. Kind of gonna put you out of there. And you know, if you're three and six, are you gonna be looking to sell probably? And if you're looking to sell, what are you trying to do? Yeah, uh, I wouldn't necessarily go like full blowout mode because I think I got some decent young players to keep my squad framed around and like Fournette, Debo and hopefully my Caffey's kind of been mad this year with the new quarterback but uh, I'd definitely be willing to probably sell Jacobs, maybe Fournette I, I don't know if I'd do both of them but if someone was in the position to try and take down one of the Titans or if one of the Titans wanted to you know, shore up their team and try to yeah. add another piece even though they're stacked as stacked can be really I would not be opposed to uh to selling a guy or two for my team I mean but then again I also have three first round draft picks so yeah, how many more do you really want right right like, so um, I mean it's an it's an interesting situation it's I'd say it's a good problem to have yeah for sure I mean uh, you look at the Titan like Aaron has Lee's first round draft pick he can move I don't think Lowy has one no he doesn't he has a second this year so Really, how much are you getting? Lowy does have a Devi asset and Marvin Mims, who's looking like a pretty good wide receiver. He's probably the equivalent of a first-round draft pick. So those two guys don't have, I mean, don't have a ton. And Cyrus is, uh, Cyrus has moved a lot of picks, but Cyrus is always looking to shake it up. And I, I think he's kind of the one guy. If 
if people start selling off that Cyrus is going to get involved and maybe make some trades. So yeah. anybody on Cyrus's squad that you really like, I know you say you don't like look at a lot of people's teams, but uh, we anybody. were, we did have a couple text exchanges after we, we nailed our trade last week. Okay. Um, and Justin Jefferson, I mean, obviously it was the apple of my eye on his team, but uh, obviously he's like one of the best receivers. Yeah. And I don't know how willing he would be to move him, but uh that's kind of where it stopped just like we he we he signed a couple trade offers and i just said like really the only guy i'm looking for that i would be interested in your team would be justin jefferson just because aside from debo samuel like my wide receivers are they can be they're kind of like boomer bust within cooper and metcalf depending so it's like i wouldn't mind having another consistent guy next to debo um but uh i don't know i I'm definitely I'm always willing to entertain trade talks, but I don't know how far they're gonna go. They go pretty far when they talk to Cyrus. Cyrus <laughs> is always the one to go pretty far, and I like that. So. Yeah. All right, all right. And then if you know you did talk about that, if you do end up trying to push your chips in, you'd be looking for like a, a wide receiver too, like a consistent guy that's gonna, you know, not not absolutely blow up your team. You'd be looking for another wide receiver, probably. Yeah, I would say that's probably be where I'd be looking for if I was trying to make a push this year to try to uh stick in another good consistent wide receiver um i mean i got three first round draft picks i mean i got my own stills which probably is going to be a lot better than lowey's and mernon so if anyone's yeah. willing to kind of get maybe a middle middle round first round pick then uh then let me know if you got a good receiver to offer up that can fetch something nice maybe a terry mclaurin and something else on my squad i don't know maybe you never know talk about that okay <laughs> go buckeyes you know absolutely i know all righty, man. Um, so we talked about some trades. This league structure as a whole, I know you say you play more redraft than you do dynasty, but are there any, uh, any like rules that you really like in our league or anything that like really bother you that you'd like to see traded? Like I, I, you know, for me, like one rule that I want to see change is like, get rid of the fifth round draft picks. Can we just get rid of them? You know, let's just, let's just get it done. They don't, they don't get moved, but like, that's just, that's me. Is there anything like in this league that you're, that you'd like to see change or anything you want to bring over from other leagues that you play in? Uh, I would definitely agree with the the fifth round uh, idea you mentioned just because from this uh, past draft we had a few months ago, we were all, I mean, me particularly, I was very fatigued by the end. Oh, yeah. Especially with uh, once I got my hands on them uh, lemonade drinks, uh, <laughs> uh, I was, I was kind of. You were enjoying those, yeah. I was, I was definitely, they, they definitely snuck up on me and by the fourth, fifth round, I was kind of uh mentally over with it so that i i wouldn't be opposed to that just because i don't know how much value you can get out of fifth round anyway um after three four rounds i think anyone i mean you never know you can always get a diamond in the rough at the end you just especially with rookies they can be a crapshoot sometimes but i think the fifth round isn't a whole lot of value um not that i would necessarily want to see it implemented remember last year one of the rules that was proposed and we were discussing was like having like two wins losses per week like it's you versus your your actual matchup and then the other one versus like the average score yeah yeah so i think with i mean i'm just i might be saying that because it would probably be benefiting me this year being the fifth highest score i might have like an like it might bump my win percentage up a couple points um but i don't know like I'm kind of a traditionalist too. Like I'm kind of sad to see the kickers and defenses go, even though they can sometimes tend to be random. Um, so I don't know if I would necessarily really want to see that like double, like two wins losses per, per week against the, the league average uh, score. But um, I don't know, for, aside from that, I'm, I'm kind of happy with where it's at. I don't really have a whole lot of complaints or like any glaring issues or rules that like annoy me or I would like to see change. I think, it's in a pretty good spot. I think every now and again, someone's going to have a good rule proposal and we'll probably implement it. Like, but I think the needle doesn't get moved a whole lot year over year. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I kickers and defenses, man, though, I'm a, anything that we, nobody trades. I kind of want on a dynasty. That's kind of my philosophy. That's why I want the fifth rounders going, but I can see the, the defense and the kickers who you got for defenses kickers. Is that why you got, you stacked over there at defense? And kickers, uh, I mean, my defense last week kind of cucked me. Uh, San, uh, New Orleans San, or San Francisco. San Francisco put up zero against Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, so they have like decent oh, games. Oh, and you've got rookie Cade York, and you're just you just hope he's going to be the next Phil Dawson. Uh, I mean, hey, when, when when he hit that near sixty yarder in Week One against Carolina, <laughs> I was jumping for joy. Not How's like, it been going since then? Uh, yeah, uh, the, <laughs> he had a rough game. He 
he had a couple chances to win against the Atlanta, but what can he do? Yeah, but I mean, honestly, like, on the one hand, I'm kind of with your distance, but on the other hand, like, when they do go, it's like, I agree in your in your sense, like, if people aren't, like, willing to go trade for kickers' defenses and things like that, it's like, how good are they? And, like, is it just more right. of a random wrench in the plan to see what will happen? All right, man. Let's. Move. What is your fantasy vice? I think I know what it is. It's your forgetful texting. But what's another <laughs> fantasy vice that you might have? Uh, I might like to hang on to players that I feel I have like an emotional bond to or drafted, and I think might have payoff in the future. Even though they're probably just you know gonna... the ship has sailed, but you just you can't let yeah. go. I don't know I've, how many times, how much time has uh, Josh Gordon spent on my team? <laughs> I, I mean, Antonio Brown, he did come back with the Buccaneers, and when he when he played, he had he put up some numbers, but like not necessarily that I probably could have gotten something better in free agency or trade wise for him. Like there was probably a good year and a half where he just was nothing on my team, and then he had some good games with Tom Brady and then he obviously went ape shit. So I think I might tend to hang on to players and like, I might have like sort of a emotion. I don't even know what to call it. Just like I'm attached to them and I'd, I don't want to get rid of them for what, even if they're like not doing anything for me. So I'd say that, and like, I might be less willing to, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily advice, but more of just like a, philosophy that like i'm not willing to move and trade around my players as much as other people are just because i don't know maybe i'm just a scared a scared owner that doesn't want to move and shake and blow up my team but uh yeah i, don't know. I think for me it's just like that's probably my my biggest flaw or vice is that i uh i hang on much longer than i should to you're a man with a heart and a heartless game man you got to be heartless you got to be ruthless <laughs> that's you're true a it's, it's a, I, I keep forgetting it's a business at the end of the day business business decisions gotta be made <laughs> hey you made a big business decision uh with our trade that was a big business yeah. decision and uh we're gonna get an extra pod here probably tomorrow or maybe just after you hear this i don't know how podcasts work but uh debating our trade so we'll get those two sides covered all right what's uh what's a real world advice you got what's uh something you like to do that you know a little taboo uh i don't just taboo but i love i love playing video games man like, big video game guy huh if if i'm not working or at school or studying if i got some time like or if i'm not i mean not that i have a huge life to begin with but like if if i got time i'm gaming i'm hitting up some of my boys and i'm just sitting in front of the pc and gaming and then your pc gaming or are you you going with kyler murray what do you like to no, play no, no. I'm not, I, I do pc game i play uh PUBG, uh, Battlegrounds, I play Rocket League, I'll play Counter-Strike and Valorant here and there, um, mainly shooters, and then sometimes I'll find some single-player game to chill on just to relax, but uh, that's probably vice number one, and then uh, along with that, I do, I love just eating junk food and drinking beers while I game, probably a little too much, um, so I, I, it definitely helped to cut down on, on the junk food and whatnot, but uh, I would say that's probably my my biggest vices there what's your junk food what's your go-to snack oh man i i love my chips man i love uh doritos and then there's these things called popcorners i don't know if you ever had them but uh they're kind of like these puffed uh corn chips and they come in a few different flavors my favorite's like the spicy chili flavor all right and then aside from that like if i just see like a new new bag of chips pretzels crackers or something on like those bright colors always catch my eye i'm like <laughs> i'm like this looks new i gotta try it so i definitely try a bunch of new stuff but uh i'd say all time favorite of chips are you like a, are you a salt and vinegar barbecue what do you go with i like my barbecue uh i love my doritos spicy sweet chili doritos are my favorite for the sure. purple bag not yeah bad, not i bad. could i could eat those nonstop. but uh i barbecue is probably a good one what about well, uh, you a Takis fan? I not a huge fan. I've tried them a few times. Well, this interview is over. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Taki guy till I die. I love my Takis. I I like them, but for me, I think they're just a little too salty for my taste. Um, they're good. It's just for me, it's either the flavoring or whatever they're putting on them. It's, it's just for me, it's just a touch too salty. I'm definitely not opposed to them. I've I've tried tried them a few times, but uh, it's not like I'm gonna reject them if you throw a free bag at me, but. They're probably not going to be my first choice, though. Fair enough. All right, man. Last question. Week seven preview. 
you're playing my shit squad. What do you think? <laughs> you got to come out on top or we don't really have many buy issues with ours. Uh, I don't think so. Um, just really get to see your, uh, your new squad with Josh Jacobs back there. Yeah. I was going to say for me, uh, two is kind of a question mark at the moment. I'll have to yeah. mess around with my quarterbacks, but I got the new boy, Josh Jacobs on the squad. You obviously have, uh, Josh Herbert in play. Um, or Justin Herbert, what, what am I smoking here? <laughs> no, um, what Josh, are you? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> nothing, surprisingly. But uh, I sh- the projections say I should win. Obviously, you never know. Um, hopefully, uh, my inconsistent players, Cooper, Metcalf, I can get a decent day out of them just because they have had good games. They've also had a lot of bad games of low production. Um, I think I'll win. I'm not willing to bet on it though um but uh i'm definitely looking forward to see josh jacobs put up some points for me and hopefully we can pull out the dub and turn right the ship a little bit in the mid mid part of the season here i think playing the raiders is a good play they are playing houston at four o'clock not a very good houston team so we could see some points put up by jacobs car and all right, guys, that was Christian. You want to pronounce your name again in your in native Lithuanian? And you want to say uh, goodbye and good luck to us in Lithuanian to sign us off? <laughs> okay, uh, so this was Christianas Vaitkus. Uh, thanks for having me. So, Dio, it is mess. Goodbye and good luck, everyone. Alrighty, guys, hope you enjoyed that interview with Christian. A lot of good discussions about his squad, how he came in the league, the mammoth trade that happened last week with Josh Jacobs. Cars Amir White, two first going for Justin Herbert. Um, hope you really enjoyed that. Uh, on that note, with that trade, we will have a special podcast dropping tomorrow where we'll have one side defending my side of the trade and one side defending uh, defending Christian's side of the trade. Going to be really interesting. We have a pro and a con. I will be your completely unbiased judge, and I will be commentating that debate. So uh, look for that tomorrow. Should be a really fun one. Um, on to week seven. Uh, let's take a quick look at our playoffs through six weeks before we get to our week seven matchups. Right now at the one seed, we have Brian Lowey. Thanks to Alex Campbell. Uh, can be soup losing. Thank you very much. We will continue to bring that up. Who is undefeated and the number one seed right now. He would have a bye taking on... The winner of the wildcard matchup, um, the top two teams, not division winners, get these two wildcard spots. Right now we have Bodzi as the final playoff spot with the fifth seed taking on Lee, the number four seed. Um, that would be a week 15 matchup to play Lowy. On the other side of the bracket, the other two division winners right now is Cyrus would have the three seed would take on Aaron Mernon, the title chase squad at the number two seed. That's how the playoffs set up right now. Draft order would be right now the number one overall pick would go to Camby Soup. Um, Camby Soup uh, one and five, last place in the league. After that, we have TDs. Um, TDs is second to last in the league, have their first round draft pick. Then we have Jay Schwinn. Jay Schwinn would be picking third. Jay Schwinn still has his first round draft pick. Also, Jay Schwinn would have the fourth pick since he has Tim's first round draft pick so jason would be picking a third and fourth fifth pick would be myself spichemin um picking fifth then we have cyrus the seaman who has his own pick would be picking sixth and then we get down to the Bortz bros the last team that are not in the first or into the playoffs Bortz bros has their first round pick as well so all the teams uh except for tim not in the playoffs has their first round draft pick that would be the draft order. This week is a bunch of weird matchups. Uh, something weird's going to happen in week seven following a low-scoring week in week six and a lot of weird matchups with buys and injuries. Um, let's start off with Lee, the Maniacs. Lee, of course, is four and two and sitting atop, or sitting second, sorry, in the Kentucky Keepsakes division. First wild card spot. Lee's taking on TDs, Lindsay and Megan. Um, the real question here is what does Lee do at quarterback? Uh, he's... Looking for one of the wild card slots and needs a win with Kenny Pickett out though. Jameis is on a short week, looks unlikely to play. We don't know yet, but looks unlikely. And then Mac Jones likely out on the Monday night game as well. Um, Going to be interesting to see what Lee does at the quarterback at the waiver wire position. Maybe he makes a quick trade to pick up somebody to fill in for a week. Um, who knows? Let's see what Lee does there at the quarterback. Very few buys affecting this matchup. So the only major point of intrigue is really what happens at the quarterback spot for Lee. And does Lindsey keep the winning streak rolling? 
we got Aaron, the title chase squad, taking on the bus boys. Aaron is without Dalvin Cook, Stephon Diggs, and A.J. Brown, but still should be a heavy favorite against the bus boys uh, who are looking to put up a decent fight against Aaron. Another team where it'll be interesting to watch the quarterback matchup um, for Lee, it's due to injury with the bus boys. It's to see if they have any balls to play either Daniel Jones or Justin Fields. Russ clearly is not the answer, but they still ride with him. I, I mean, at this point, they're going to probably just play Russ because that's what they do, but I can't believe they're still doing that. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if they make that game time decision. Uh, Brian Lowey undefeated. The immigrants take on adequate in the Bortz Bros. This could be the week that Lowey gets got because he doesn't have Josh Allen or Cooper Cup, but they're taking on the Bortz Bros, so it probably won't matter. The team's in shambles. The team is not adequate. They need to rename themselves. Bortz Bros, this is me calling you out. You need to rename your team name. You're not adequate. You are three and three, but you're not great. You're not adequate. You're below average. Um, rename your team. Next, Happy Tim at 2-4 and four continues his climb out of the depths of the league towards a playoff spot with a shaky squad, and, but he's got no first-rounder, so he's uh, got nothing to do but try to win. Um, the Crab Boilers are taking on Camby Soup. Alex, who is without Devonta Smith, who's wide receiver 15 on the year so far in Philly, doing really well. Um, he's without um, his best pass-catching option. Alex is 1-5, but will probably be 2-5 and five after Brian Robinson keeps the hype train rolling all over Tim's Crabs. Um, look up for that matchup and Brian Robinson to do something. Next up, we have the Meats Jay Schwinn versus Krispy Kareem Donut Cyrus. Cyrus is devastated by this week with the buys. He's got no Jalen Hurts. He's got no Justin Jefferson. He's got no Kirk Cousins. He's got no Tyler Higby. He's got injuries all over the place at the tight end spot. It's going to be tough for him to decide where he goes. Right now, he has Logan Thomas in a starting spot who's not going to play for the commander. Cyrus needs a win to keep this division because he's only one loss and a win. Bodzi went away for having a tie for the division lead. Um, we have the meets is on a roll. Can he keep it rolling? Finally, quite frankly, you've heard my voice. You heard Christian's voice. You heard a lot about our teams. I think, quite frankly, this is the least inspired matchup of the entire week, though. Um, but we get to see the new Seaman squad with Josh Jacobs and possible return of Tua Tunga Vailoa at quarterback who's filling in for Justin Herbert, who he traded away in that Josh Jacobs trade. So we'll see how the newly reshapen Seaman squad looks. No real buy impacts here, but both of these teams have serious deficiencies. Um, both are two and four. Uh, we'll see how it goes in this matchup. That's our pod, guys, this week. I hope you had a good time. Like I said, we will be doing a special pod um, later on this week, probably the same day you hear this, um, where we pit two sides against the big trade that just happened with Justin Herbert. Um, we got a pro and a con side, and of course, yours truly moderating over the debate. I will be an unbiased judge and pick a winner. Uh, um, then we also have the Devi update that came out on Sunday and a look at some of the college players and some Devi things. I know Devi's are starting to pick up because of that. I got offered for one of my Devi's uh, just yesterday. So looks like that pod is doing its job and getting some interest in the Devi's. There's lots of people out there with Devi's and lots of teams tanking that should be looking at Devi's. So um, hope you enjoyed that one. We will talk to you guys soon. Enjoy your week and enjoy the pod debating the Justin Herbert and Josh Jacobs trade. See you guys.